السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما There was a question about wiping over the turban that wiping over the turban does it have the same conditions as wiping over the socks like the socks you have to wear them in the state of tahara so the turban has to be worn in the state of tahara as well or for example there is a specific time limit for the socks so does that time limit apply to the turban as well huh no the conditions of the socks wiping over the socks they don't apply to wiping over the turban why because feet have to be washed so socks are worn over a part of the body that has to be washed but if you think about it the turban is worn over that which has to be wiped so the command will be even lighter Okay, so washing becomes wiping, so wiping will become less wiping, and the conditions will be more easy, meaning that there won't be as many restrictions. So, if you're wearing a headscarf, then don't think about, okay, did I have my wudu before I had my headscarf or not? You don't have to have that condition; does not have to be met. Okay, one more question was about wiping over the shoes. When it comes to wiping over the shoes. Are there any different rulings or the same rulings of the socks? So wiping over the shoes, what are the conditions for that? In a hadith we learn, Mughira bin Shu'bah, he said that the Prophet ﷺ did wudu and wiped over his socks and shoes. Meaning there were times when he would wipe over his socks and there were other times when he would wipe over his shoes. So this means wiping over shoes is also permissible, but the same rulings will apply as that of the socks. Meaning, that the shoes should have been worn at a time when a person was in the state of tahara he had wudu okay the shoes themselves should be clean then there is a time limit as well and one more condition there were four conditions tahir were there not four conditions i gave you the time limit yes i did that yes after hadith akbar it is invalidated the shoes can only be wiped over after hadith asghar meaning if a person has to do ghusl then he has to obviously take his shoes off and if he's doing tayammum then the shoes don't matter and what about the shoes the style of the shoes does that matter yes meaning the shoes should be such that they cover the entire foot along with the ankle all right so for example your winter boots they will do but your sandals your flip flops no way because remember the hadith of ibn umar he used to wear sandals and he would wash his feet in the sandals So if the foot is exposed then you have to wash but if the foot is not exposed then you can simply wipe over let's continue bab man lam yatawadda min lahm ash-shati was-sawiqi man hu lam yatawadda he did not do wudu min because of lahm ash-shati the flesh of the meat of ash-shat what is shat hmm? goat sheep was-sawiqi and grain mush meaning eating meat and grain does that nullify one's wudu does that nullify wudu no it doesn't and imam bukhari is indicating towards the issue of performing wudu after eating camel meat 
He did not mention the hadith of the camel meat, which says that after eating camel meat, you have to do wudu. Why? Because that hadith did not meet his strict conditions of authenticity. Okay? But that hadith is recorded in Sahih Muslim. It is an authentic hadith, but it did not meet the standard, the strict standards of Imam Bukhari. So this is why he did not mention the camel, but rather he mentioned the other meats and the other related issues. So that those who understand can understand. Now, when it comes to eating camel meat, does that nullify one's wudu? Yes, it does. Eating camel meat nullifies one's wudu. Imam Muslim has recorded the hadith in his book. Jabir anhu said that the Prophet ﷺ was asked, should I do wudu after eating camel meat? He said, yes. And then the person asked, should I do wudu after eating mutton? He said, if you wish. Meaning some other meat like that of you know, cow or sheep, lamb, goat. He said, if you wish. If you wish, you can do. If you don't want to, then you don't have to. But after eating camel meat, then yes, you have to do wudu in order to pray salah. Then there is another hadith, which is the hadith of Al-Bara, in which the Prophet ﷺ was asked about eating camel meat, and he said, do wudu after eating it. He was asked about mutton, and he said, do not do wudu. So in one hadith, he said, if you wish. And another hadith, he said, do not do wudu after eating other meats. So Imam Ahmad, he said that there are two authentic ahadiths regarding this matter. Two authentic ahadiths regarding this matter. One is narrated in Muslim and the other is in Tirmidhi. And this shows that eating camel meat definitely nullifies one's wudu. Whether that camel was old or young, female or male, it doesn't matter. Or that meat was cooked or it was raw, it was a little or a lot, whatever part of the camel it was, the feet or the shoulder or the head, the hump, any part, it doesn't matter. Because the command is general, okay, and people in general eat all of the camel. And it is not necessary to perform wudu after eating any other kind of meat, whether it is sheep, cow, goat. Now I have a question for you. If a person eats pork, does that nullify wudu? Yes, it's haram, but what if a person is in the state of, you know, he's muttar? I mean, he's in the state of, فَمَنِ غَيْرَ بَاغٍ وَلَا عَادٍ Does that nullify one's wudu then? No, it doesn't. The reason why I ask you this question is because it doesn't mean that there's some kind of impurity in that food. Okay, the impurity of the food doesn't matter. Because camel meat is clean. It's not that camel meat is unclean, this is why if you eat it, then you have to do wudu. No. It doesn't have to do with the cleanliness or the uncleanliness of the food. No. It's just that the camel meat has something which is not present in other meats. Which is why that nullifies wudu and other meats do not nullify wudu. Now what is that thing? What is that illa? We don't know. Allah only knows. We don't know about it. But scholars have suggested that Camel has a particular nature, which is very shadid, very rough. And because it's a huge animal, sometimes it's difficult to control as well. And the people of the camels also become very harsh in their nature. We have learned al-a'rabu ashaddu, kufran wa nifaqan, right? Why? Because of the harshness that they experience in the desert. So it does have an impact on you. Your environment affects you. The place you live, the people you live with, the kind of food you eat, it has an effect on you. So the camel meat, 
perhaps also has some kind of effect. Allahu a'lam. And if a person eats it, then it affects his body. So to remove the effect of that meat from the body, this is why we have been told to do wudu. But Allahu a'lam what the reason is. But remember, this is only limited to camel meat, not any other kind of meat. Meat, meat nullifies. Other things, it hasn't been mentioned, so we can't. Like people say that if you utter a lie or you hurt someone or you backbite or something like that, that will also nullify wudu? No. Wudu will only be nullified by hadith or by something that has been mentioned specifically like the consumption of camel meat. And inshallah we will learn about that. Performing wudu on top of wudu, that is better. That is the best way. Why? Because when you go to pray salah, you should be in that state. Now, the second thing that is mentioned is sawiq. Lahmishat, and the second thing is sawiq. What is sawiq? Does anyone know? In Urdu, it is called sattu. Do you know? Some of you? What is this? This is basically dry roasted grain. Dry roasted grain that is roasted whole with husk. And sometimes it is roasted in sand. Other times, some other method is used. These days, people even roast them in the oven. Okay, the grains. Why? So that the roasted grain, it is sometimes finely grounded, sometimes coarsely grounded, and it is used in various ways. You know, sometimes it's cooked in soup. Other times it's cooked butter or some cream or something like that is added to it, and you can have it with dates. Sometimes drinks are even made out of it. So it's a multi-purpose food, you can say. But essentially, what is it? Dry roasted grains. Now, meat was mentioned. And what else is mentioned? Grains. What's the point? The point is that if something has been cooked, if something is cooked, or if something is exposed to fire, eating that, does it nullify wudu? No, it doesn't. It doesn't nullify one's wudu. Because some people are of the opinion that if something has been touched by the fire, whether it is food, then that nullifies wudu. Because there is a hadith which says, تَوَضَّعُوا مِمَّا مَسَّتِ النَّارِ Perform wudu after that which has been touched by the fire. But all of these hadith, they show that if it's food that you're eating, whether it is grain or it is meat, whether it was cooked in the oven or it was barbecued, that does not nullify wudu. So, sawiq also does not nullify wudu. وَأَكَلَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرُ وَعُثْمَانُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ لَحْمًا فَلَمْ يَتَوَضَّعُوا Abu Bakr, Umar and Uthman, all of them, they ate meat and they did not renew their wudu. These three companions, who were they? The khulafa, right? One after the other. So they ate meat and obviously it's understood when people will eat meat, it will be cooked. It will be exposed to fire so that it can be cooked, right? Whether it's barbecued or grilled or whatever. The method doesn't matter. The point is that it's cooked. It has been heated. So they all ate meat and they did not perform wudu. Then the hadith, حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن زيد بن أسلم عن عطاء بن يسار عن عبد الله بن عباس أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم أكل he ate كتف the shoulder of شات of lamb. 
ثم صلى ولم يتوضا then he performed the salah and he did not do wudu meaning he prayed salah without performing so this shows that the eating of meat did not nullify the wudu now in this hadith we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ate from the katif of the lamb right the katif is the shoulder and from this the scholars have derived that this was his favorite cut of meat this was his favorite cut of meat and it is true because if you think about it this cut of meat is the best it is the most tender the most delicious whether it is in sheep or goat or bigger animals like cows even this part of meat is the best okay because if you go all the way up to the chuck then you get the best steaks from there okay so yes the meat is tender it is the very best we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ate not just meat but the best kind of meat so there is no harm in eating good food because we think that if we have become pious then we should only eat you know meat that is not of good quality or dry bread of course it's perfectly fine that if you say no i want the leg or i want the shoulder i want this piece in particular there is no harm in that it doesn't mean that you should never eat the rest of it if that's not available you say okay i'm not eating meat then no if you have the choice then go ahead and choose but where you don't have the choice then don't be fussy okay make do with what you have حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا الليث عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب قال اخبرني جعفر بن عمرو بن اميه ان اباه اخبره انه ترنديد راى هيسا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم he saw the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam yahtazu that he was cutting off min from katifi shoulder shatin of lamb fadu'iya then he was called ila salati to the prayer fa'alqa so he put down a sikina the knife fasalla then he prayed walam yatawadda and he did not perform fresh wudu so what do we see in this hadith that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was in the middle of eating and he had a knife with him with which he was cutting the meat and he was eating at the same time and at that time the time for prayer came in and he left the food where it was he left the knife and he went to pray now there are a number of things that we learn in this hadith first of all we see that he performed the salah without refreshing his wudu secondly we see that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was eating with the knife okay why because he was cutting the meat with the knife So this shows that if you're eating meat and you're cutting it with the knife then if you have the right intention then this can also be following the sunnah because we think following the sunnah is only in eating with the hands but the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ate with his hands and he also used a knife so this shows that our intention should be of ittiba'u sunnah following the sunnah and so wherever whenever possible eat with the hand and wherever whenever possible eat while using the knife there's no harm in that because we think that the only sunnah is eating with the hand and nothing else you know just like when it comes to wudu doing wudu washing the parts once twice and thrice doing all these three is sunnah not that a person washes the body parts three times always no that's not ittiba'u sunnah ittiba'u sunnah is that you do everything that the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did so eating with the knife also and it happens sometimes that there are certain things which you can't possibly break with the hand right especially when it comes to meats you have to use the knife and sometimes you have to use a fork as well so no harm 
Another important lesson that we learn in this hadith is that the Prophet ﷺ left his food and he went to pray. Now, there is another hadith which tells us that لا صلاة بحضرة الطعام Right? That a person should not pray when the food has been served. Meaning, when he is eating, when the food is ready, it's hot, then don't leave that food and go to pray. And over here we see the Prophet ﷺ doing something completely different. He's in the middle of eating and he left the food in order to go pray. This is not contradiction. It depends on the person and on the state that he is in. Sometimes you are very hungry. Okay, you are very hungry. Or even if you're not hungry, you are distracted by the food. Okay, you could reheat the food, but you know that, that when it's going to be reheated, it's not going to be the same. Correct? You know that. So it depends that if a person will be distracted because of the food, that in the salah he's constantly thinking about the food, then what's best? That he should finish the food first and then go pray. And if he has that much self-control, okay, and he has the ability to focus in the salah, despite the fact that he can smell the food, then he should go pray. So it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. Sometimes it happens that the time for prayer is very less. I mean, especially Maghrib. You have to pray immediately. If you wait until the food is done, then you might be late for your salah. Likewise, sometimes it happens that you want to eat, but there are 20 people waiting for you so that you can lead them in the salah. Now, does that make sense that a person is finishing off his food and the rest of the people are waiting for him? No. He was the imam. And obviously he would not like that people are waiting for him. So it depends on the situation that a person is in. Bab man min On rinsing one's mouth out after eating sawiq and not doing wudu. So okay, we know that eating sawiq, eating meat, that does not nullify one's wudu. But can a person just go and pray as his mouth is? Or should he clean his mouth? He should clean his mouth. He should rinse his mouth out. Why? Because otherwise the food particles will be stuck in his mouth. They will distract him in the salah. That people are trying to clean up their mouth with their tongue as they're praying salah. So they're in the salah, they're thinking about the food and not the prayer. So the sunnah is that after eating such food, you know, which is grainy or the particles will remain in the mouth, then a person should rinse out the mouth and go pray. Wudu is not necessary, but definitely a person should rinse out the mouth. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن يحيى بن سعيد عن بشير بن يسار مولى بن حارثة أن سويد بن النعمان أخبره أنه خرج that he went out مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم with the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم عام خيبر in the year of خيبر so he went out meaning he went out on a journey حتى until إذا كانوا بالصهباء until when they were at Sahba. This is the name of a place. Wahiya and it is, meaning this place is Adna Khaybar, closer to Khaybar. It's closer to Khaybar than to Medina. Fasalla al-Asra. So the Prophet ﷺ performed Salatul Asr. Summa da'a, then he called Bil Azwadi for the Azwad. Azwad, plural of Zad, provision, food. Meaning he told the people to bring their food. All the people were told, whatever food you have, Bring it. فَلَمْ يُؤْتَ Then he was not brought إِلَّا except بِالسَّوِيقِ with سَوِيقِ Meaning all that was available, all that people had was سَوِيقِ 
That's all that was found. Right? That just shows that when they traveled, look at the limited resources they had, limited food they had. We always have snacks, you know, in our bags, in our cars, constantly. And all that was found amongst all those people, that huge army that was going to Khaybar was what? Just a week. فَأَمَرَ بِهِ So the Prophet ﷺ ordered for it, meaning he called for it, that bring it. فَثُرِّيَّ And then it was made wet. ثُرِّيَّ Remember the word ثَرَى? وَمَا تَحْتَ الثَّرَى What is ثَرَى? Wet mud, wet clay. So فَثُرِّيَّ It was made wet, meaning they added water to it. Why? To increase its quantity. And so that it would become into a mush. You know, this is just like you have oats and then you add water to it or milk to it and then it becomes like a mush and you can make it as thin or as thick as possible. So, فَثُرِّيَ فَأَكَرَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَأَكَلْنَا So he ate and we also ate. All the people ate that together. ثُمَّ قَامَ إِلَى الْمَغْرِبِ And then he stood up for Maghrib. فَمَضْمَضَ وَمَضْمَضْنَا He rinsed his mouth and we also rinsed our mouths. ثُمَّ صَلَّى وَلَمْ يَتَوَضَّ Then he prayed and he did not do wudu. So in this hadith, what do we see? That they prayed asr, which means that they had wudu, or they performed wudu at that time, or they had wudu from before. After asr, they all ate together. And then it was time for maghrib. So they prayed maghrib without performing fresh wudu. Why? Because they still had wudu from Asr. So this shows that eating sawiq does not nullify one's wudu, but after they ate, they all rinsed their mouths. So that the mouth is completely clean when performing the salah. And we see the ittibar of the companions. فَمَضْمَضَ وَمَضْمَضْنَا He did madmada and we did it too. He rinsed his mouth, so we also rinsed our mouths. They followed the Prophet ﷺ to this detail. What do we say? Oh, he, you know, maybe he wanted to. It's not wajib, is it? Right? Do we have to? So we don't take much interest in small details. But we see that the companions that were so observant, and this is the reason why we have the sharia, like the way we have it. Then we also see here in this hadith that the people brought together their food. Prophet asked, whatever food you have, bring it. And all that was brought was only sawiq. So this shows that the sunnah is to eat together, that especially when there are a lot of people together, then what should be done? That people bring in their food and everybody shares their food with each other and all the people eat together. In the Quran, yes, we learned that there is no harm if you eat together aw ashtatan. Right? There is no harm in, in your houses if you eat Together or separately. It doesn't mean that the whole street, you know, all the people of the street have to gather up together and eat together. No. That's not what the meaning is. The meaning is that when people are together somewhere, you know, for example, we are all here. We're studying together. Or people are traveling together. Or people go to a conference together. Right? They go to Wonderland, uh, you know, for the whole day together. A group of families go, for example. So at lunchtime, what should people do? What's the sunnah? That the people sit together bring out their food, okay, and share. Why? There are two benefits to this. One is love and bonding, and the second is barakah. Love and bonding as well as barakah. We also see in this hadith that at the two ends of salah, in the middle is food. 
Asr Salah, food and Maghrib Salah. Not that they're eating and Asr Salah is getting delayed or Maghrib is getting delayed. No. Prayer on time and in the middle, you adjust your meal times. So the day should be organized according to prayer times, according to Salah times. وَحَدَّثَنَا أَصْبَغُ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنَا إِبْنُ وَهْبٍ قَالَ أَخْبَرَنِي عَمْرٌ عَنْ بُكَيْدٍ عَنْ كُرَيْبٍ عَنْ مَيْمُونَةَ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَكَلَ عِنْدَهَا كَتِفًا ثُمَّ صَلَّى وَلَمْ يَتَوَبَّأْ That Maymuna رضي الله عنها She narrated that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ate عندها in her house كَتِفًا The shoulder ثُمَّ صَلَّى وَلَمْ يَتَوَبَّأْ Then he prayed without performing wudu. So eating meat, grain, yes, it does not nullify wudu, but a person should. What should he do? Rinse the mouth. Bab, hal yumadmidu min al-labani? Should a person rinse his mouth because of laban, meaning after drinking milk? Yes. Now, if you think about it, grain, whatever form it is in, whether it is bread or it is in a soup or it is in the form of porridge or what, When you eat it, yes, there are some food particles that remain in your mouth, between your teeth, somewhere or the other. Likewise, meat. But when it comes to milk, when you drink it, you just swallow all of it. Sa'igan. Right? It doesn't get stuck anywhere. It flows very easily down your throat. Nothing of it gets stuck. But still we see that it is sunnah to rinse the mouth after drinking milk. Why? Because of its fat content, because of its creamy texture, because of the taste that remains behind. After taste, right? So there are certain foods which when you eat, whether they are in liquid form or solid form, when you consume them, the traces of the food will remain in the mouth. And there are other foods of which the traces don't remain. So the food whose traces do remain, then you have to rinse your mouth out. And if the traces don't remain, then you don't have to rinse your mouth out. Can you give me an example of food whose traces don't remain in the mouth? Like fruits. حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَ بْنُ بُكَيْرٍ وَقُتَيْبَةُ قَالَا حَدَّثَنَا اللَّيْثُ عَنْ عُقَيْلٍ عَنْ ابْنِ شِهَابٍ عَنْ عُبَيْدِ اللَّهِ ابْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ ابْنِ عُتْبَةَ عَنْ ابْنِ عَبَّاسٍ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ شَرِبَ لَبَنًا The Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, he drank milk. فَمَضْمَضَ Then he rinsed his mouth. وَقَالَ And he said, إِنَّ لَهُ دَسَمًا Indeed, it has دَسَمًا دَسَم is fat. Grease. تَبَعْهُ يُونُسْ وَصَالِحُ بْنُ كَيْسَانْ عَنِ الزُّهْرِ So, we see here that the Prophet ﷺ drank milk and after that he rinsed his mouth and he also gave a reason. So he فَعَلَ and he عَلَّلَ He did the action and he also gave the illa. What was the action? He rinsed the mouth. And what was the illa? That it has fat in it. So this shows that if a person consumes anything that is of a fatty texture, has a creamy texture, then he should rinse his mouth. Whether it is in solid form or liquid form. So whether you are eating yogurt or you are drinking milk or buttermilk, still you have to rinse your mouth. And fat content. Now sometimes it happens that you rinse your mouth, but still the taste, the flavor or the food particles The creamy texture does not go away completely. Then what should you do? Rinse again. Rinse some more. Or drink some water, rinse them out. Same thing, right? No matter how much you do, sometimes it doesn't go away. So what should you do then? Brush your teeth. Okay, brush your teeth. 
Because it's not correct that a person is praying with food particles in his or her mouth. That is not right. That even little infants who are only being breastfed, then what happens? Even on their tongues you see a layer of white, right? The fat, the cream. So this is the reason why when you bathe babies, when you change them, when you clean them, definitely it's best to clean out their mouth as well. So it has double benefit. Cleaning out the mouth, rinsing out the mouth before prayer, double benefit. One is that there will be no food particles to distract you. And secondly, the mouth will be clean. Because if the food particles remain, then what happens? That causes the bacteria to grow and as a result, bad breath, so on and so forth. It's also not good for the health of the teeth. That if we have eaten, then we try our best that we clean our mouths, have some gum or something, some mouth freshener, right? When we're talking to people. So it's even better that when we are praying salah, we should have our mouths cleaned. باب الوضوء من النوم ومن لم يرى من النعسة والنعستين أو الخفقة وضوءا الوضوء وضوء من النوم after نوم because of نوم meaning does does sleep nullify one's wudu this issue it has been discussed in great detail earlier and over here Imam Bukhari is mentioning the opinion of women and those who لم يرى من النعسة والنعستين did not think the need of performing wudu because of na'sa or na'satain meaning dozing off once or twice nodding off once or twice right wudu and meaning he did not think that it was necessary to do wudu on dozing off slightly meaning light sleep those who say that light sleep does not nullify wudu the opinion of those Now, we discussed this earlier, that sleep is of two types. One is heavy, deep, and the other is light. How do you distinguish between the two? Heavy sleep is that you have no idea what happened. And you were literally out of it. Okay, For those few moments or for those long hours, however long or short it was. And the other is light sleep, which is that you are between being asleep and being awake. That for a moment or two you doze off and then all of a sudden you wake up. That you hear the background noise. You hear conversations but you don't know what's happening. You don't have that full idea. So so this is light sleep. You're not completely out. So this is just like, you know, after Fajr Salah you're sitting. Or for example, after the Sunnah you're sitting. And you are saying your du'as. And then... You know, you're saying your dua of nur and the next thing you know, you don't know if you're saying Allahumma ja'al fi qalbi nura or fi asabi nura or what. Like you don't know where you were in the dua. Okay? You don't know whether you said it or not. And then for a few moments you actually doze off. Okay, And then you wake up again and you're sitting or even you're lying down or you have your head on the bed or in a chair or in a sofa or what. So you dozed off for a few moments even if it was 5-10 minutes Okay, But you weren't completely unconscious. The difference is that one is that you have no idea what happened. And the other is that you were in such light sleep that the moment somebody passed by or you heard a sound, all of a sudden you woke up. Or that you feel the urge to go to the washroom. You can feel that when you are in that state of sleepiness. So the point is that you should have an idea of whether or not you did hadith or not. Some scholars, they said that as long as a person is in a sitting position, then the wudu does not break. But others say that no, even if a person is lying down, even that does not nullify wudu. 
Okay, because remember the hadith that we learned earlier, that the Prophet ﷺ was lying down, he was sleeping, and then he woke up. So the point is over here that dozing off, nodding off, that does not nullify one's wudu. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن هشام عن أبيه عن عائشة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا ون نعس أحدكم when one of you dozes off وهو يصلي while he is praying does that happen it happens to some people right that they're sitting in tashahud and they're gone in tarawih they're sitting in tashahud or when isha is too late people who have been working long hours or they have little children by the time it comes you know time to pray isha salah they don't know whether they said salam or not so when one of you dozes off in prayer wa huwa yusalli falyarqud then he should go to sleep hatta yadhhab anhu an-nawm until the sleep goes away from him fa inna ahadakum because indeed one of you idha salla when he prays wa huwa na'is while he is dozing off la yadri he does not know la'allahu yastaghfiru perhaps he is seeking forgiveness fayasubba nafsahu whereas in reality he is cursing himself meaning he wants to seek forgiveness that's his intention but the words that are coming out of his mouth he is cursing himself right because when a person is in this state he doesn't even know what he is saying You know like when you're very sleepy and somebody asks you about where the food is and you start telling them about where the bag is or you are talking about what you think you are dreaming of. So in this state a person should not pray. Now how does this hadith prove that nodding off does not nullify one's wudu? Dozing off, nodding off, you know, once or twice it does not nullify one's wudu. How does this hadith prove that? that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said that a person should pray later he should go to sleep and he should pray later not that your salah your wudu has been nullified it hasn't been said that your salah is broken or your wudu is nullified this is why go to sleep and pray salah later no what has been said is that if you're dozing off again and again then just pray afterwards okay it hasn't been said that the salah is broken meaning a person could still technically continue the prayer and complete it If he did that that salah would be valid even though he may have said things that he doesn't know but still technically that salah would have been valid so this shows that such dozing off nodding off such light sleep it does not break one's wudu but what is best the best is that a person does not pray in this condition why because inna al-nafsika 'alayka haqq your body has a right on you if your body is not cooperating with you you're sleeping you cannot stay awake you cannot even continue to say the words of the salah then get the hint right your body needs to rest so go take some rest and then pray afterwards and secondly why because you don't know what you're saying so you could be saying something that is blasphemous something that is wrong you could be cursing yourself you could be saying words of disrespect to allah his messenger i mean you don't even know what you're asking about so be careful and this does not mean that a person should make it a habit of praying very very late or praying at a time when he's very tired so he says okay i should now sleep and then by the time i'll wake up you know the time will be gone so yes i will pray salah late no a person should pray as soon as possible as soon as the time enters in when he has the energy 
when she's not tired and exhausted? No. Like especially these days. Isha is so early. So as soon as the time comes and pray. And then go and do whatever housework you have to do. Because if we leave the salah right to the end, then what happens is that we have no energy left. Then we could pray sunnah, but we say that no, we're too tired. Right? We say, okay, tomorrow we'll pray. So your body has a right on you and we should listen to our body. Listen to your body. And we see that in one case, the Prophet ﷺ even allowed a person to join his, his isha with maghrib because he would work for long hours for a very, very long time. He'd be exhausted. He couldn't wait until that time. So instead of sleeping through isha, he was told to join it with maghrib even. So that can be done, but it's not correct that a person is praying in a state where he has no idea about what he is saying. In the Qur'an also Allah says that, O you who believe, do not pray while you are sukara, while you are drunken. حَتَّى تَعْلَمُوا مَا تَقُولُونَ Until you know what you are saying. And this teaches us another thing, that we should know about what we are saying in the salah. Because we might be pronouncing the words incorrectly, or switching the order maybe, by mistake, out of ignorance. And instead of seeking forgiveness, we may be cursing ourselves. So this shows that we should know the meaning of the salah. We should know the meaning of salah. Today, ask your family members, ask your children, ask your husband, ask your brother, ask your sister, whoever is with you, about the meaning of the salah, that if they know or not. Don't ask in a condescending way. Ask in a way that, you know, just to make them think. Just in order to encourage them. Because we all should know the meaning of the salah. حدثنا أبو معمر قال حدثنا عبد الوارث حدثنا أيوب عن أبي قلابة عن أنس عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا نعس أحدكم في الصلاة When one of you dozes off in the prayer فلينم Then he should sleep حتى يعلم ما يقرأ Until he knows what he is reading حتى يعلم ما يقرأ a person should know about what he is saying in the salah. He should know the meaning of salah. So salah should be prayed when a person is in full consciousness, he is fully aware. Nothing should be a barrier for him. Neither ignorance nor sleep, okay, nor distraction from food, nothing should be a barrier. Because when you pray, you should give it your 100%. Bab al-wudu'i min ghayri hadathin. Performing wudu when there is no hadath. Is that permissible? Yes. Is it better? Yes. Because if a person has prayed salah, should he pray that salah again? He says, I prayed zuhr. Now let me pray zuhr again. Should he do that? No. But if a person has wudu from before, it is valid. He can pray with that wudu. Should he perform wudu again? On top of that? Yes, he can. It's better. If he wants to, there's no harm in that. There's no restriction in this matter. So we see that there Certain acts which can be repeated, acts of ibadah, and there are others which should not be repeated. حدثنا محمد بن يوسف قال حدثنا سفيان عن عمر بن عامر قال سمعت أنس حاء قال وحدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن سفيان قال حدثني عمر بن عامر عن أنس قال he said كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنس رضي الله عنه he's narrating that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa he used to, يتوضأ, he would perform wudu in the kulli salat, near every prayer. Meaning before performing every salah, it was his habit that he would perform fresh wudu. Qultu, I said, who? Amr bin Amr. He said that I said to Anas, 
كَيْفَ كُنْتُمْ تَصْنَعُونَ How would you do it? How would you do it? Meaning, would you also perform wudu before every prayer? And okay, the Prophet ﷺ, he was someone special. So, you know, even if he did not have water available to him, people would bring him water. But what if you had no water? What would you do? You're not as special as him. So where would you get water from? Qala, he would say, يُجْزِئُ أَحَدَنَا It would suffice for us. For who? For one of us. Al-wudu'a the wudu' ma lam yuhdis. As long as he did not do hadith. Meaning as long as the wudu was not nullified, as long as it was not broken, then that wudu would be sufficient for us. Meaning we would pray as many prayers as possible with one wudu. Okay? They would pray as many prayers as possible with one wudu. So this shows that it is better to do wudu for every prayer, but it is not wajib. It is not wajib. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا يقبل الله صلاة أحدكم إذا أحدث حتى يتوضأ. That Allah will not accept the prayer of one of you when he does hadath until he does wudu. So this shows that until a person does hadath, his wudu is valid. So he can pray one salah with it, he can pray two, he can pray three, as many as possible. But once there is hadath, then that wudu is nullified, then a person has to perform wudu. Again. And in the Quran as well, what has been mentioned, إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى صَلَاتِ فَغْسِلُوا Right? Then the method of wudu is mentioned. And then later on in the verse, وَإِن كُنْتُمْ مَرْضَىٰ أَوْ عَلَىٰ سَفَرٍ أَوْ جَاءَ أَحَدٌ مِّنْكُمْ مِنَ الْغَائِطِ Right? The wudu has been broken. أَوْ لَا مَسْتُمُ النِّسَاءِ فَلَمْ تَجِدُوا مَاءً فَتَيَمَّمُوا So when do you do tayammum? When there is a need to do wudu, which is when hadath has happened. So this shows that if a person has wudu, there is no need to perform wudu again. But if he does, then it is better for him. It is better for him. There was a statement of Anas with Malik anhu about how he was advising the people once that how within a short period of time, how people have drifted away from being more and more righteous, you know, excelling in good deeds. And in that advice, he was mentioning about the companions, that you think that you are so righteous, they used to do wudu on top of wudu. One of the things that he mentioned in order to praise the companions was that they would do wudu on top of wudu. So it's definitely better. Especially when a person has the time, he has the ability, he has the resources available to him, then he should take advantage. But if it's not possible for an individual, then there is no harm. حدثنا خالد بن مخلد قال حدثنا سليمان قال حدثني يحيى بن سعيد قال أخبرني بشير بن يسار قال أخبرني سويد بن النعمان قال خرجنا he said that we went out مَعَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ عَامَ خَيْبَر In the year of Khaybar. حَتَّى إِذَا كُنَّا بِالصَّحْبَاءِ Until we were at Sahbaa صَلَّى بِنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ الْعَصْرَ They all prayed together the Asr prayer. فَلَمَّا صَلَّى دَعَى بِالْأَطْعِمَ When he performed the salah, then he asked for all the food to be brought. فَلَمْ then we all ate and we all drank. ثُمَّ قَامَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ إِلَى الْمَغْرِبِ Then the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stood up to Maghrib, فَمَضْمَضَ Then he rinsed his mouth. ثُمَّ صَلَّى بِنَ الْمَغْرِبَ وَلَمْ يَتَوَطَّ Then he performed Maghrib with us and he did not do wudu. Now this hadith, what does this show? The balance. That at this occasion the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم did not do wudu again. So the hadith of Anas anhu, what does that show? That it was his habit that usually, it was his practice that most of the time he would do fresh wudu. But this hadith tells us that not 
all the time, not always. There were times when he did not do fresh wudu, rather with his previous wudu, because nothing invalidated it, he performed salah with that. Likewise, we learned that at Fath Makkah, also the Prophet ﷺ prayed several prayers with one wudu. So both the options are there. And a person should look at whatever is possible for him. Now we see here that it was time for Maghrib. Okay? And everybody was eating. Now if the Prophet ﷺ went to do wudu and everybody else would also do wudu, it would take longer to get to prayer. And sometimes it happens that if you're eating by the time you finish your food, even though Maghrib has come in, you might be a few minutes late. So you can't delay that even more. Yes, performing wudu again will earn you more good deeds, will wash away some more of your sins, but you also have to see whether or not you can do it. Sometimes there's very little time between Asr and Maghrib. The question is that if a person does end up making a dua in correct ways, instead of seeking forgiveness, he ended up cursing himself, then would Allah accept that dua? Allah obviously, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what state you're in and the intention behind your dua as well. And this is the reason why we say that رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِنَّ سِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا If we make an error, oh Allah, don't hold us accountable. This is a mistake, an error on our part. So when you read this ayah, then keep that in your mind as well. That people who are very particular about their makeup, then what happens? Every now and then they will rush to the washroom or they will check the mirror, you know, to freshen up, to fix their makeup, to make sure nothing is smudged, nothing is ruined, nothing is faded. Right? Everything has to be perfectly clean and in perfect condition. So likewise, when a person is concerned about presenting himself nicely before Allah, then it won't be a problem if he has to do wudu again, or he has to rinse his mouth. Then wudu on wudu doesn't matter, just like lipstick on lipstick, it does not matter. It happens sometimes that you're very tired, you're exhausted, and you have wudu, but if you do wudu again, you are fresh. So you are more alert and focused in your prayer. It depends. That if a person is very sleepy in the prayer, if he thinks he can wake up, you know, like you stop for a moment and you open up your eyes again, or if you are, if you can do that, then okay, complete your prayer. Or if you've almost finished it, then you complete your prayer. But if you just, you're still in the first rakah, you can't even finish Surah Al-Fatiha, then what should you do? Sleep in sujood or should you break the salah and sleep? You should break the salah and sleep. Okay, and then pray your prayer. Afterwards, The thing is that it depends on the situation that you're in. Sometimes very little time is left for that particular salah. So for instance, fajr. Then break your salah, go do wudu again, drink a glass of water, drink really cold water, okay, sprinkle some cold water on your face, on your eyes. You know, do something to freshen up, to pray. Turn the lights on. Say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Fajr time, everybody is sleepy. And if you say that, no, you know, I should go to sleep because that's what the hadith says. Then you'll be missing your fajr every single day. And why wake up right the time when fajr is about to end? You wake a little bit earlier so that you have 10-15 minutes to wake up, you know, freshen up, brush your teeth, you know, use mouthwash, something so that you are alert. Wash your face properly, you know, with cold water or something. Brush your hair, change your clothes, whatever you can do so that you are awake. And tell yourself that, no, I have to stay awake. And really, brushing your teeth makes a difference. Makes a huge difference. Because, you know, automatically when you brush your teeth, you are in that state that, okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready for the day. I'm awake now. But when you haven't brushed your teeth, then you are in that state of sleepiness. I remember 
I was young and, uh, you know, young people obviously they struggle through waking up for Fajr. I was very, I was in my early teens at that time. And I made it a habit. Fajr, I would go and take a shower. That's when I would take a shower. And sometimes I would take a cold shower so that I would wake up. Okay? And I'm literally jumping in the shower, but you have to so that you can stay awake. It helps you through your Fajr at least because otherwise after your Sunnah, you're like, okay, let me just sleep now. Or right after your Fajr, you're like, okay, let me just sleep now. And there, the time for reading Quran or doing your morning Azkar is gone. Be proactive, right? Be proactive. That schedule your day in such a way that when it comes time to pray, you are alert. You know, like I said, pray early. Pray as soon as the time comes in. Wake up early in advance so that you're not exhausted, you're not sleeping. So be proactive, do whatever you can and help one another as well. So that our prayer is such that it is not against us, it's not of a very low level, but rather it is of a high level, inshallah. One more thing I'd like to point out in this hadith before we conclude is that in this hadith we see it is said, فَأَكَلْنَا وَشَرِبْنَا We ate and we drank. Have you heard that you shouldn't drink anything after eating or before eating or while eating? Yes, a lot. It's very common. And they say that, no, don't drink while eating. I remember I was told by a naturopathic doctor once that half an hour before you eat and half an hour after you eat and no liquids and no liquids along with your food as well. I did that for some time. But then this hadith, akalna wa sharibna. They ate and they drank together. In the Quran also, what does Allah say? Kulu wa shrabu. What is a sunnah? One third food, one third water and one third air. So the sunnah is the best way. Obviously there should be a balance. Not that after every bite you're taking a sip of water or your drink or whatever. No. There should be a balance. And also, you know, if you drink before eating, sometimes it helps. Because if you drink after eating, then think about it. The food is there and you're pouring a lot of water inside. Then obviously you can imagine what's going to happen in your stomach. Right? So uh, there should be a balance in moderation. Yeah, but there's no harm in drinking along with eating. Okay? They say different things. Some say it affects the digestion. Others say that it makes you put on more weight. Allahu alam. Whatever they say, there should be a balance. Okay? We should be free from extremes anyway. Sabiq? Yes, you can make a drink. It really helps in the summers. And you can make it yourself too. It's not that difficult. Barley or any other grain you can make it with. You have to roast it, dry roast it. You can roast it in the oven. It's not too difficult and it pops. You know, just like uh, popcorn. But not obviously as big, the husk and everything. It pops slightly and then you can you can grind it. You can add water to it, make it into cereal, and have it for breakfast. You can put it in soups, in gravy, Okay, in different ways. Just Google it and inshallah you'll find out how to make it. You have many recipes online. Okay, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.